This is Geeks and Jacks. Welcome back to Geeks and Jacks, episode 119, recording on Flag Day, June 14th, 2022. This is Ryan Salt. Glad to have you here. Uh, this podcast is on anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. Second to last episode before ending this season. And definitely have some thoughts on a few things, particularly some winning streaks and losing streaks in Major League Baseball, the NBA Finals in particular as well. My thoughts on who might win the Stanley Cup, along with uh, the passing of one actor, uh, a couple video game related things, and obviously the box office, which kind of surprising a little bit uh, for some of them. So without further ado, let's jump into it and start with probably one of the worst uh, losing streaks that led to uh, uh, firing. And that is the Los Angeles Angels. Now, they have breaking their uh, losing streak. However, it was up to, I think it was 14 in a row, maybe 15 in a row. And in the midst of it, they uh, fired their manager, uh, Joe Madden. So this was a few days ago that they snapped the streak. But the fact that they fired Madden is a little bit on the surprising side. So very quickly on Joe Madden, he was a part of the Angels organization, like bench coach stuff. He was a bench coach during their 2002 World Series uh, championship. He went on to manage the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and eventually became the Rays, starting in 06. I believe he was there until 2014. Some of the stuff that we're doing in the front office combined with the way Madden managed things propelled Tampa Bay to being one of the better-known teams in uh, baseball, making it to the World Series in 08, losing to the champion Phillies, finding success, success here and there. Obviously, he was let go following the 2014 season. Managed the Cubs for five years. Made it to the playoffs, I believe, three or four years in a row with them. Including their 2016 World Series uh, win against the Cleveland Indians. That was probably, I think that will go down to me as the greatest baseball game ever played due to the amount of drama and the history behind their uh, World Series droughts. Uh, But obviously, things haven't panned out well. And that's something just to go off topic for a brief second. The sad state of the Cubs. They had all these great players. You think about the what-ifs. I mean, Anthony Rizzo with the Yankees. I believe Chris Bryant's with San Francisco or somewhere else. Or Colorado. I forget which one. But whatever the case, think about all them guys. And obviously you try to change the culture by going back to your stomping grounds with the Angels. And 
nothing nothing really worked in the short time that Madden was there. So where they are right now they are I believe they have twenty nine wins. Yep, twenty nine and thirty three. So they were I think like twenty seven and seventeen I believe when the losing streak started and in the midst of it firing And right now, um, Phil Nevin is the temporary manager for the time being. I don't know what to tell you. Madden, I think, is seeing diminishing returns. And I think the methods that he's done to win games is not working the way it used to about 15 years ago. People are tiring of the shifts and the methods of relief pitchers. I think uh, the the Cubs game against the uh, Yankees uh, this past weekend, they had a game where they used their relief pitcher for the first three innings. I believe it was the Friday night game. And that game went 13 innings. You gotta be kidding me on that. Who does that? Because you, I mean, sure, extra innings are not something you expect all the time, but. And that was something that I, you know, it's hard to fathom. And speaking of which, the Cubbies got destroyed quite a bit by the Yankees. And that includes, uh,. Some home runs by Aaron Judge. He's up to 24 for the year. Matt Carpenter showing up. The offense clicking right now, and there's some critical games for them. Critical games for Tampa, Toronto, Houston, as these teams are trying to duke it out and see who fares in winning the division crown and not just the divisional title, but who fares in the uh, wildcard race. Since you're going to get three wildcard teams this year. But yeah, uh, Joe Madden, I'm not sure he gets a chance to manage anytime soon. Maybe he gets one more opportunity, and then after that... One of the surprising things that was brought up recently is Albert Pujols not getting a farewell tour, something that uh, San Diego Padre Manny Machado mentioned. Why isn't he getting like the type of respect... I mean, he was an impact player from the get-go when he first came up back in 2001. You look at what Derek Jeter had, David Ortiz, you know, these farewell tours. I don't know if it applies to pandemic crap or whatnot, but you'd think for a guy that had been a very good player for so many years, so many hits, so many home runs, all-star appearances... This is a theory I have in mind, but I'm thinking maybe with the way he's played the last 10 years, which, granted, they haven't been a phenomenal 10 years like it was when he was with St. Louis during his first 10 years. However, you got to 
understand how big of a player he was and just how much he meant to to teams and players. I mean, he's 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 bound to be in the Hall of Fame. He he should be a first ballot guy, no doubter. When he finds himself in Canton before the decade ends, not Canton, um, Cooperstown. I'm thinking a little bit of football. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, but yeah, he should be given a chance. And to tell you what about giving chances. Didn't think the uh, Atlanta Braves would be on this tear right now. They played their most recent game. Uh, when was that? Yesterday. They're up to, I believe, 12 in a row. Although they lose one of their guys. Oof, broken foot. Ozzy Albies. Oh, man. Fractured. He's out for a good while, that's for sure. Yeah, at this point, I want to look at the standings for a minute. They can't be too far off from uh, where the Mets are. Seriously. Five games behind the uh, Mets, 35 and 27 for the year. Mets, 40 and 22. I believe them and the Yankees are the only teams to have 40 wins. Pretty tight between uh, St. Louis and Milwaukee. St. Louis, one game advantage. Keep an eye on San Diego. They could give uh, L.A. a run for their money. San Francisco not too far off. Three games behind them. I'm actually kind of surprised at the record that the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks have. 29-34 for the year. I feel like at this point last year they were having that really bad losing streak. Oof. Colorado not too far off either. but 27-34. 27-34. Colorado 29-34. Sure, ten and a half games, nine and a half games. Not great, although their losing streaks haven't been all that great either. I mean, AL, I mean, right now the Yankees are 44-16, best record in baseball. Oof, you know it's bad when the Rangers are 29-31, and 31, and that's good enough for second place in the uh, AL West. Ouch. Oakland Athletics, 21 and 41. I guess uh, losing Bob Melvin uh, hasn't hasn't helped, and that's got that's got hurts tremendously. Yeah, maybe just the whole Moneyball tactic finally showing its cracks when you don't have a good manager to help you out, and maybe. Not enough good talent to be there. Cleveland struggling a little bit against uh, in the Central, second place behind uh, Minnesota. Actually, I want to see Toronto actually is second place. I didn't think they were on that big of a streak lately, but I guess they are. Tampa, third place in the East. Boston actually having a winning record right now. So you're kind of surprised that Baltimore's actually got more than 25 wins. They're 26 and 
36 for the year. So, very briefly on the NHL, got final setup right now. Tampa Bay Lightning against the Colorado Avalanche. I got a feeling this is going to be a six-game series, and I think Colorado takes home their um, first cup since 2001. I think just the way they play on offense, although the big question will be how the defense is along with their goaltending. That's going to be, I think, the biggest concern, which is an advantage that Tampa Bay has. They have a pretty good uh, goaltender. That's all I really have to say on that. Uh, NBA Finals. So far it's been, I'd say, kind of underwhelming. You think about it. Right now, uh, the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, they are 3-2 to two right now against the Boston Celtics. Big game at home, 104-94. to I believe I read a tweet that said... <laughs> oh man, the Warriors put up a tweet about what is that, Houston Rockets? Mitchell Wiggins came up clutch in Game 5 of the NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics to lead his team to victory. Same scenario, same opponent. Tonight his son did the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, goody. Oh yeah, that is Houston Rockets. Uh, back in uh, 86. Some pretty interesting stats, no doubt. But I'm kind of curious about the ratings, because that's one of the big things that comes to my mind. I don't think it's really done anything substantially. I want to look at the ratings, because... Ooh, that's really bad. That's a that's bad for a Friday night, though. Let's see what Deadline has to say. May go up, uh, according to it. Five point four, four point four for some couple things. They're doing better. I mean, all all around. I don't know what you say. Um, less than eight million. I mean, that's that's really bad. You think a competition two-two series, well, two-one series. You think evening it up would make things a lot better? Seriously. I mean. There's got to be something that has to give. I mean, if ABC and ESPN are hoping that it goes to a Game 7, I mean, they're banking on that. I'm not sure it does happen. I mean, it could. It seriously could, but hard to tell. I'm going to take a brief look at the NHL playoffs. Uh, This is from, like, first-rounder stuff. Uh, Doing pretty good for both ESPN and um, 
Turner Sports, averaging 768,000, which did better compared to all the NBC stuff. 2.3 million for the Ranger Penguin game, uh, game seven. Most watched for a non-Stanley Cup final game. You have to go all the way back to uh, 2018. Pretty good ratings too. I think what helps is I think TNT particularly, but Turner having good relations with some of these sports networks, the sports leagues, and being able to have not just you know NBA, but to be able to try some of these other sports like the NHL. And I think having some of those same type of people involved and the fact that ESPN is trying to make themselves a complete sports network again. They haven't had the NHL since, I believe, 2004. So this was their first year doing it since then. I think I think it helps ESPN and it helps deviate a bit from their whole covering the NBA thing because there's I mean there's a ton of criticism now these days of how much they cover the NBA and you could say even the NFL to a certain extent too and some of these other sports don't really get the love they deserve and I mean NBC Sports it's not really a good conglomerate of sports it it isn't and I'm trying to think of all the sports they have because their Olympic stuff keeps declining every year football is probably the only one that gets the biggest amount of attention I think hockey gets lost in in the mix but all things considered I mean for across both the NHL and the NBA they're doing much better compared to pandemic years. So, but still, you wonder how how far, at least in the NBA, if they can even get a game seven. I think it will. I think it will all determine on how things go down in Boston for game six. Definitely, we'll have something by the time the next the last podcast shows up uh, next week. Uh, very briefly with NASCAR. Sonoma. Pretty big win here. Daniel Suarez getting his first of the year, I believe. And an interesting top five. And it's kind of an interesting top ten a little bit. Uh, second place, Chris Buescher. Michael McDowell finishes third. Kevin Harvick fourth. Austin Sindrick fifth. Ryan Blaney sixth. Ross Chastain seventh. Chase Elliott eighth. William Byron ninth. And Brad Keselowski, 10th. Some of the other notables, Austin Dillon, 11th. Trace Briscoe, 13th. Eric Almarola, 14th. Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman, 15th and 16th. Joey Logano and Kurt Busch, 17th and 18th. Eric Jones, 22nd. Ricky Stenhouse, 25th. Martin Truex, 26th. Christopher Bell, 27th. Harrison Burton, 28th. Kyle Busch, 30th. Denny Hamlin, 31st. Tyler Reddick, 35th, and 36th, dead last, Bubba Wallace. 
Ouch. Looks like Toyota really struggled while Ford and Chevy had themselves a pretty fun weekend altogether. Take a quick look at the standings. Since that should help Chase Elliott a little bit, but not by much. Chastain, uh, second place, gets past Kyle Busch right now. Ryan Blaney and uh, Logano not too far behind. Two-point difference between Kyle and Blaney. And seven-point difference between him and uh, Logano. Truex, six. Larson, seventh. Byron, eighth. Bowman, ninth. And Bell at tenth. So pretty much all the Hendrick boys are in for contention so far. And where the heck's where the heck's Hamlin? Is he in that top top bunch? Or am I or am I not seeing it so quick? Twenty first. I wonder if like any like suspension type stuff. Uh that's bad. Like, I mean, two wins for the year, and, like, there's a couple other guys with wins as well. Suarez is uh, 17th for the year in points. And, man, imagine, like, you know, like this like this is the type of race that hurts someone like Hamlin. Actually, which... I'm assuming third's Kyle Bush, and I would say 19th would have to be Kurt. But yeah, like uh, the round of 16, I mean, imagine if Hamlin missed the cut. But I think the wins automatically put him in. I, I want to say, but I'm not 100% sure. My knowledge of NASCAR isn't always the uh, greatest. So, yeah. Moving on to the movies. Very briefly, I do want to mention that there's a Nike movie that's being made under the under the tutelage of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And I want to look at that very briefly. There's plans for a movie. It's supposed to be, I think, based on, yeah, the Air Jordan stuff. And they actually had a pretty good amount of uh, of actors that are going to be in a like, pretty good varied group. Like, not just, like, big names altogether. Uh, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis, Chris Tucker, Marlon Wayans, uh, Matthew Mayer, Chris Messina, Tom Papa and Julius Tennant. I mean, it's a that's a pretty good group, and that's not that's no small feat, especially for doing something like this. Uh, uh, Damon and Affleck are playing uh, Nike people too. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro played by Damon and Affleck playing Phil Knight, one of the co-founders of Nike. Definitely an interesting film, though I wonder how much of it will be just sucking up to Jordan. I guess this has been something that's been on the uh, on the table for the last couple months, or at least 
plans on what to do. So let's take a look at some of the big movies because we got a new number one. Though that'd probably be short lived. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion. So the return of Jurassic Park movies. The sixth one since 93 and the third since 2015. So, altogether, for its first weekend, it made almost $400 million. $145 million domestically, and about 247 internationally. Although, we're looking at the numbers via Box Office Mojo in an article. Uh, the movie's been panned. I don't think I've seen a point where... Uh, where any of the movies have been panned. $185 million and at least $100 million according to Variety to promote the film to audiences across the globe. Yeah, this is the type of movie that needs to make if I had to guess maybe anywhere between 500 to 600 plus million just to make even any inch of a profit. Yeah, it's do I mean it's lucky to even get those type of numbers within that first weekend. Though I think the big question will definitely be whether or not this movie will uh continue to have strong legs over the next few weeks. Actually, just to check briefly, if there's any other wide releases that should impact it, and I think there's only one in particular right now, uh, this upcoming weekend, and then nothing else until uh, July. So the next movie after that is Top Gun Maverick. Still holding strong after three weekends at the box office over 50 million dollars that says something and the numbers are pretty impressive when you think about where it is right now 395 million dollars domestically and this should overtake uh, Doctor Strange 2 pretty quickly if, if it hasn't already since these numbers are not updated at the time of this recording, all I have to say is it's probably number one already here domestically. 395 million domestically, 353 million internationally, so it's made almost 750 million. The fact that it's still pulling in huge numbers, it tells you people really have wanted to see this movie. And I wonder how many people have been wanting to see it over the last two years when it was announced, and obviously the pandemic. I think probably just also the fact you come in at the right time for the drive-in. I seriously think you have to consider how big drive-ins are at times. Seriously, think about it. 
you have a drive-in, you want people to experience something that is classic, nothing better than going out at night and going to see a movie, a double feature, maybe even a triple feature. So, I mean, I mean, I know I'm talking more about this more than Jurassic World Dominion, but the numbers are very, very impressive. This might be the biggest movie that Tom Cruise will ever have. And that says something about him being at the age he is right now. I mean, no doubt, Paramount is has gone all in this year. When you think about stuff such as Jackass, Lost City, Sonic 2. Like, they are putting up hit after hit. And, I mean, sure, they might have some duds, but... They are dominating 2022. Pretty impressive. So, coming in at number three, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's the $5 million weekend. So, as far as numbers go, the numbers are very impressive internationally. I think it's growing in other markets. 398 million domestically, 532 internationally, nearing a billion dollars. It just needs a little less than 70 million to reach that number. Just over 930 million. Biggest movie of 2022 from a worldwide perspective. Number four, the bad guys. The fact that it's still in the top five, which even Box Office Mojo mentioned. Is um it's rather amazing, two and a half million uh, over the weekend. It's up its gross to ninety one million here in the states, internationally one thirty seven and two twenty nine altogether worldwide. I mean, there's not really any kids films. I mean, who knows how many movies, movie theaters uh, have Sonic Two still. That movie's been out for a little over two months. And same thing with um, with Bad Guys. Sure, its numbers haven't been all that great for a DreamWorks movie, but still the small budget of $80 million, that that's pretty impressive. At least I think so. Number five, the Bob's Burgers movie. Just slightly below $2.5 million. And unless this movie's opened in other international markets, it's not doing anything. Just almost 29 million worldwide, and about 95% of it being domestically. I don't know who thought about greenlighting this and thinking that it was a good idea. They failed miserably on this. Unless there's still some markets that would still want to watch this. Which I kind of doubt. Number uh, six, Downtown Abbey, A New Era. Still hanging around a little bit. 1.7 million. So it's upped itself to 40 million uh, here in the States. 45 internationally. 
I'm probably assuming probably kind of a cheap budget. Probably making a small profit right now. Everything Everywhere All at Once at number 7, 1.3 million, and that's the last of the million dollar uh, grosses for for this past weekend. 63 million domestic, 20 mil internationally. Still holding out all things considered. This one is interesting, and I'm assuming this has to do maybe with some drive-ins. Firestarter. This was at 21st last weekend. It's at 8 for this past weekend. Making over $830,000. So it's upped itself to over $9 million. And I think part of it might have to do... If I had to assume, with having it at drive-ins and maybe some of the smaller theaters that probably didn't have the opportunity to play it. And this isn't only 150 theaters according to Box Office Mojo. That's pretty impressive. Although it's not going to do anything to save what was basically a huge, huge flop. I don't know what it's like in other movie theaters across America, but you do get these movie uh, drive-ins that have some of the movies that haven't been out, uh, that aren't relatively brand new, that might get a second chance via a drive-in. I've seen it happen a number of times locally for me. Some movie that's been out for over a month might get a chance at the drive-in because they think it might interest the people around it. At least that's how I see it. Number nine, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at 750000 It is inching in on $190 million here domestically and add in another $207 million. So it's nearing $400 million. I'd be thinking it would breach that number, but who knows. And last but not least for the top ten, Ante Sundhaniki, a Hindu Brahmin, falls for a Christian girl and trains her to be a Brahmin to convince his parents only for their plan to be revealed. 620,000. How many theaters? 350 theaters. That's... That's okay, I guess. It's not it's not great, but it could be much worse. So as far as... Hold on, I think I just saw some numbers for another movie. Uh, looks like some movies have been starting to pick up a little bit from... Uh, the only one that caught my eye is the Uncharted movie, which is at 13th. Had a big increase for to get itself to over 148 million, 340 thousand, which is not great. But considering that the movie's been out since what February, very few theaters probably airing it. A lot of limited movies for this upcoming weekend. The only big one is Lightyear. 
this should be number one, I think, just based on Toy Story and Pixar as a whole. <laughs> I don't know. I I love Toy Story as much as the next guy, but Lightyear. Uh, maybe it'd be one of those things I might watch on TV or get on like DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, I'm just this is. I mean, I'm nostalgic for for Toy Story as a whole. I don't think they really need an origin story. So as far as limited releases go, uh, I got a movie called Abandoned. Uh, another horror movie. Jeez, Louise. Let's see, Wayward looks like another another horror film. Still prayed up. Looks like a, a gospel type of movie. Could be a could be a documentary actually. The Lost Girls. Oh, how is this not a big release? This is a. Is this a more adult? Is this a more adult Peter Pan? Okay, that's that's interesting. The Lost Girls. Is this an R-rated movie? Four generations. Peter Pan and Never. Alright, it's got some interesting names. For sure. Okay, how is this not a... How is this not a... Big name... It just that that's crazy. And you think that would get a big release. Just because it's Peter Pan, it's not like Peter Pan's exclusive to Disney. There was that hook movie with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Spielberg directed that. That came out a little over thirty years ago. It did pretty well despite being panned. You think something like that would be seriously. Let's see what's next. A man of integrity. Eh. Looks like a foreign movie coming out to America. Uh, almost a million dollars internationally. The Witch Part 2, the other one. Probably a horror movie. No description, so probably assuming another horror movie. Brian and Charles. This looks like a really, really weird movie. Don't know what this is. That it looks creepy. Probably a drama, but a creepy drama. My donkey. <laughs> my donkey, my lover, and I. A school teacher crashes her married lover's family vacation and befriends a donkey named Patrick. This this has been out. I, I got I got to look at <laughs> my donkey. Oh, this is a movie that came out a couple of years ago, I guess, or probably was filmed. 
somewhere else. Um, eh, no one I really know of. Looks like a uh, looks like a French movie. Next, Nikama, remake of a Telugu film film, middle class Abai action comedy. Something different, sure. Uh, official competition, wealthy businessman. Looks like, looks interesting. Official. Competition. Looks like trying to make a film. Actually, a pretty good, pretty good cast uh, when you get Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas. How is that not a big release? Looks like maybe like a Latin type of film. That's crazy. 1.7 million internationally, so. And then First Love. Looks like a. Probably like an in, India film. Not a lot of. Not a bunch of. Smaller films uh, for June 24th, followed by some two big movies. I'll definitely say my thoughts on Elvis and the Black Phone for next week. So. But I would think overall, Lightyear probably does well uh, being number one at the box office. Whether it has strong legs or not is another question in itself. I don't even know if if it'll do that well, all things considered. It'll definitely make a lot of money, but whether it makes a profit or not, hard telling. So one uh, one of the sadder things that just happened... Um, one of the unfortunate passings, but very versatile, very versatile actor, uh, Philip Baker Hall, passing away at the age of 90. (laughs) He passed away uh, a couple days ago, June 12th, and had done... So many films, so many TV shows. He was one of those guys that found himself in so many types of of comedies, dramas. You know, he was he was everywhere. That's that's how versatile he was. I mean, especially when you look at some of his '90s stuff. When you see films such as Boogie Nights, Rush Hour, Hard Eight, working with guys such as Robert Altman and um, what's the other guy? Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, let's I mean, let's look at some of this stuff. Let's take a let's take a good look because he's been he acted for such a long, long time, a hundred eighty-five roles. Although I think he might have just, from the looks of it, stopped as of 2020. 
So let's go all the way back down to the bottom. See if we find anything. Not a lot here. Uh, good times in 76. Did an episode of MASH. A lot of TV stuff. One of those types of guys. Let's see, Emergency. Did an episode of The Waltons. Some TV movies. Uh, in the 80s. Let's see what else. Let's see, TV show, It's a Living. McCain's Law, Cagney and Lacey. TJ Hooker. Oh, they tried doing a Seven Brides for Seven Brothers TV show. Ouch. Uh, General Hospital. Looks did a movie called Secret Honor where he played Richard Nixon. Was on the TV show for uh, Benson for an episode. Let's see what else. Did an episode of Miami Vice. Couple uh couple movies here, 3 O'Clock High, Midnight Run, was in a few episodes of Family Ties, Did the, was in the movie uh, Say Anything, and uh, Ghostbusters uh, 2, played the police commissioner in that film, Let's see what else, was in an episode of Matlock, Murder She Wrote, L.A. Law, what else we got here? Some TV movies here. Was on was a Bob is that like Bob Newhart? They mean was on an episode of Cheers during its final episodes. Well, during its final season, did a short called Cigarettes and Coffee. Movie Roswell did uh, Chicago Hope. Getting towards the mid-90s now. Oh, he had an uncredited role in The Rock? That is cool. Let's see. Third Rock from the Sun. He was in uh, Air Force One. And, of course, we're up to it. Uh, Bookman. That's probably the one thing, if you were to remember Philip Baker Hall by is him being uh, Bookman on Seinfeld. That episode aired in uh, late 91, around its third season. Not a particularly great episode, I would say, by any stretch. Though I would say, George's storyline is pretty funny, and also the fact you have a hard-nosed a library detective going after going after Jerry. And I think because Jerry's not a good actor, there was something I read just not too long um, earlier before recording this podcast. Jerry was laughing and Book of Hall still played his character thinking you're a comedian. It gives him, like, a long-winded rant. Definitely one of the better-known instances of a guest star really showing his worth. 
and showing that he can hang with the best. What else we got here? Truman Show, Rush Hour, as I said, uncredited role for uh, Enemy State. He was in Psycho. Let's see what else? Magnolia, Rules of Engagement. Uh, did an episode of The Fugitive. I didn't realize they were make they made a remake of it. Some of all fears. Without a trace. That's probably the one first thing I remember seeing him in uh, this particular movie, Bruce Almighty, where he played uh, Jim Carrey's uh, boss at the news station. What else we got here? Uh, Monk, Boston Legal, uh, The West Wing, Duck. Heard that of it. <laughs> the Shaggy Dog. Oh my god. What else? The Loop. Came back for Rush Hour 3. I'm not sure if he did too. What else you got here? Psych. Some Curb Your Enthusiasm. Only a couple episodes though. Chicago 8. A few episodes of Modern Family. The Newsroom, Argo, though that was uncredited, did an episode of Children's Hospital, kept doing TV, I mean, pretty nice, uh, well, Madam Secretary, Bojack Horseman, like, granted, these are not, like, starring roles for a lot of these TV shows, but the fact that he could come in and just nail a performance. I'm sure that's what kept him going for all those years. Leaving behind a uh, wife and a couple couple kids. 90 years old, I mean, in fact, he was still doing it in his 80s. I mean, be surprised that probably some of these actors that still find a way to get work even if they don't think about retiring. And lastly, I don't really have a lot of things to talk about with, with like, video games, but I know that the uh, Bethesda Showcase was recent, and, you know, the only thing that comes to my mind is just whether we'll get a Wolfenstein 3 or not. I would love to see a Wolfenstein 3. Let's see if they even have a... Let's see if they even have anything on that or not. Oof. Looks like there's... Reading an article. Hmm. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I guess the spinoff, according to Game Rant, might have hurt. Might have hurt them. Yeah. Hmm. I think that I heard some stuff. I think I guess there might be some ideas for something like... Listen to, like, a YouTube video about potentially a revival of, of like, say, Hexen or something. 
I don't know, depending on if stuff gets bought out by by Microsoft. I'm not really hearing a whole lot. Resident Evil Showcase. Yeah, I got a couple thoughts. Uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Not sure it's really necessary, but considering that things have changed since 2005, sure. I got one that will definitely be kind of a rant. Uh, Last of Us Remake. This is going to come out for the PlayStation 5 and PC. I am not the biggest fan of The Last of Us. I've grown to like it over time, although I do think it is a bit on the overrated side. But to have a freaking remake of a game that is nine years old, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm sure there's probably some games. I think the look like the original Resident Evil one getting remade. Although that probably helped a lot more when it got released on the GameCube back in 02. What is it supposed to, like, unless there's, like, something substantial that has changed to the gameplay of The Last of Us, I don't see this working. I don't see this working as a remake. It caught on like wildfire back in 2013 because of its story and the survival and all that in between. It was a pushing limits type of thing for the PS3. And it made sense, in my opinion, to put it on the PS4 a year later and give people, you know, a reason to, to get PS4 hardware to see new games and see what can be done when you have these developers utilize the hardware so greatly. At least that's how I see it. But to do it again for PS5, I don't know. I mean, I know there's some games that get uh, re-released you see your Pac-Mans, you see your Resident Evils, you see your Dooms, Sonic the Hedgehog, it... You know the drill. At the same time, though, it, it's those games have much more going for it in terms of playability and maybe some features and everything in between. As much as I've grown to love The Last of Us, it's kind of a one-and-done experience. Sure, you might be able to explore stuff if you think about doing that, but that depends on how far you truly explore throughout the game and maybe like upgrade uh, Joel throughout it. I do need to get back to playing the second game, though. I don't think I've played that in about over a year. So, yeah. Pretty, pretty stupid, in my opinion, to... Uh, pretty stupid in my opinion to uh, have have this get remade whatever the reason though uh, I don't really have much else to say on that but I do want to end it kind of on like what Sega CD stuff I would I think if they were to release it in America and I'm going to take a look at 
the Sega CD library and try and look at games that could, in theory, make it onto onto the uh, onto this Mega Drive Mini, or if they were to do a Sega CD Mini. Just want to no, I don't want to go to eBay. Let's take a look. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I could see that coming out. I could see that being on there. Wooly Beamish. I don't think so. Afterburner three. Android Assault. I could see that being on there. Ah oh, man, the, the the core design games. I I don't know how that would be, but stuff such as BC Racers could get on there. It's just a matter of whether or not people will play them or not. Same thing with the if unless there's like some sort of copyright issue, Chuck Rock and Chuck Rock Two. Trying to look for other games that could legitimately get on there. Dark Wizard, maybe. There are some FMV stuff that I think could get on there, such as Double Switch and maybe Dragon's Lair, though that's... I don't know. Dungeon Explorer, maybe. Um, Earthworm Jim. The Echo Games. Echo the Dolphin and Echo Tides of Time. Eternal Champions Challenge for the Dark Side. That could get on there. Final Fight CD, maybe Flashback, The Quest for Identity, uh, Flink, maybe. Let's see what else. Uh, Heart of the Alien, maybe. Heimdall, potentially. Kyo Flying Squadron. I'm not sure they do it, but Lethal Enforcers 1 and 2, that could have a legit chance. Lords of Thunder, uh, Lunar 1 and 2, Mansion of Hidden Souls, which is one of the games that's going to come out in Japan. Let's see. It makes me sad that Sony was the publisher for this game, but Mickey Mania, Traveler's Tales still exists, but it's a licensing thing. But then again, Castle Illusion did come out on the Genesis Mini. Oh, man. Not sure about Mortal Kombat. That one's a weird one. But I don't see them going like the M-rated route. Uh, Night Trap... I can see that being on there. Uh, Pitfall, the Mind Adventure. I hear that's pretty good on the uh, on the Sega CD. Popful Mail, which is getting a release on the uh, Mega Drive Mini. I think I've heard of Power. I don't think I've ever heard of Power Monger. Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't. Uh. Prince of Persia, probably not. I think I heard something about Prize Fighter getting re-released, but not for 
uh, but not for Sega seat, but not for Sega stuff. Uh, Pugsy, I could see that. Uh, what else? Maybe Road Adventure. I know it's one of the more liked Sega CD games. Road Rash, definitely, I could see that getting on there. Robo Leste, maybe. Secret of Monkey Island, I mean, why not? That'd be kind of fun to see on there. Um, Shadow of the Beast 2, I think, unless that came out. Yep, it did come, come out everywhere. Shining Force CD and Sill Feeder. Uh, Mega Drive stuff, could see that on there. This could be a big one if people were to be interested. Snatcher, because that game is so hard to find. And it costs like hundreds of dollars. Soul Feast, maybe. Sonic CD. Soul Star, maybe. Hudson Soft could put out the Space Adventure, but that is an M rated game. Not sure about Star Wars as a whole, but Rubble Soul, if LucasArts was still around, I mean, it, as its own company and not Disney. I could have gotten on there. Uh, I'm trying to look for anything else. I don't think I really see anything else that would really make a difference. But those are what I think. I th- look. I want to look at the limited run stuff because I heard they had a. Uh, Limited run announcement. They have like a bunch of games that are being announced. LRG3. 30 games appeared, all of them getting physical releases. Shadowrun Trilogy. So let's see what they got here. American Hero. Anniversary Collection, Arcade Classics. I'm, I think that's the Konami one. Bill and Ted's Excellent Retro Collection. Is that like a new game, or is it just getting the NES and Game Boy games on there? Blade Runner Enhanced Edition, A Boy and His Blob, Retro Collection. Doom 64 on Xbox, Doom Eternal on the Switch. Glover on the N64. I didn't realize it was that loved. Night Trap for PS5. Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. Oh my god. That's like one of the worst games for any game system. Uh, Power Slave Exhumed. Uh, Prize Fighter, which is a Sega CD game getting re-released for this upcoming year. Shantae. Uh, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic 2, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. I mean, that's just some of the games that that show that that showcase what what my eyes want to see, I guess, or in terms of like craziness, or hey, this makes sense. <sighs> Interesting group of stuff. Though, it'd be nice to see maybe some deals made to get copies of other games released. Like, get some of, like, the unknown stuff. You know what? I was just thinking with the Snatcher, why don't Limited Run do 
something like that for people who may want to play it on a Sega CD. Or better yet, I don't know why Konami don't try and re-release the game on something else. The Sega CD version is the only one that has a uh, English release. But I digress on that. So that about wraps up this episode here. So, before ending this, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. Go on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. Episode 119 of Geeks and Jacks in the Books. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself, take care, everyone.